Hello out there in Radio Land. How do you like your eggs? All right, how do you like them? Okay. Tall Sam Jones, tall Sam Jones. Long damn bones, that's tall Sam Jones. How you like them? The lady with the paper hat asked me as she poured a little more coffee into my cup. As that you say, I said, as a sad smile spread across her face, and I looked up. She said, I take you to be a soft-boiled man. I don't understand. I reluctantly confessed. Listen, son, she said, I don't mean to upset you, but you've got to know I'm going to have to break a couple of things to make your breakfast. Just glad to see a blue morning and the yellow egg at the break of rain. Ever plagued by audio gremlins, this episode is no exception. It is exceptional in how egregiously plagued this episode is. My half of the conversation is distorted where it is present at all. It was my decision after a few minutes to just edit me out. But this content had to happen, and fortunately my guest had plenty to say. So, with our apologies, the show must go on. I wonder, too. It's probably... Just the hey, government, hey. man. Hey, I'm Tall Sam, everybody. I'm glad to be here with <laughs> hey, you. Asher, I'm coming to you from my backyard here in New Orleans. We're feeling all right. Weather's good, you said. Weather's great, man. Folks, awesome. are, uh, folks are getting out, staying as far apart as possible, getting that sunshine at least, even in the streets like we used to. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Uh, there's not much of that going on up here anyway, though, but I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that they're allowed to in <laughs> central Arkansas. Uh, yeah. Used to uh, the, old, uh, the old mountain folk are not getting their fiddles out and slapping their knees. You know, um, I'm not sure if they are or not. There is actually a pretty strong tradition of that around here. There's a, l- a little town nearby called... Um, Mountain View, and it was for a long time known as the folk music capital of the world. Y'all would probably freaking love it if it still sort of like works the way that it used to. Uh, but there was like a little, um, ever since like the 60s when there was like a folk music boom in America, there has been like kind of a tra- tradition there of just gathering around the square on a nearly nightly basis and just like huddling up together and picking into the night uh okay so yeah anyway um uh how's how's, how's petty, petty petty cab life right now oh yeah oh wow what an honor well um that is that's pretty cool for me um i'm certainly not the most experienced petty cabber i am the tallest petty cab operator in new orleans at six foot seven inches tall i um kind of stood out and that was a lot of fun um I started pedicabbing after a long stint in the restaurant industry there in New Orleans. And I'm a musician. I play jazz, saxophone. Um, that's my main sort of goal in life. 
So being able to ride the pedicab uh, was way more flexible. You know, I wasn't getting scheduled to wash dishes every Saturday night. I was choosing when I wanted to work and when I was able to practice and perform. Um, so that was a huge draw for me. And then the big unexpected um, element of pedicabbing that I came to enjoy the most and that really actually helped my music career was the amazing community of pedicabbers in New Orleans. The people who actually ride um, have just a really, really cool, unique culture um, around work, but also, you know, everything else. We, the, the forums where we communicate online or even just talking in the shop, there's always support for the next show that we're playing or we're always hearing about someone doing a live art thing or we're hearing about someone you know who's going to be up in a gallery or someone who's burning yeah. a bunch of random furniture out at the wasteland at the end of the world like there's right um and so i made so many friends and we gained you know kind of a, a bigger following for our band through through the day job that we were using just to support the band and i don't think you get that a lot yeah i mean the pedicab community has been a lot of what's pulling us through this whole quarantine thing a, bi a big part of it I mean, we it's have good since you don't have your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we still, I mean, maybe half the people who rode the pedicab um, have left the city for various reasons. There's been a bit of an exodus from New Orleans. Um, a lot of people are concerned about the virus. A lot of the demographic of people who ride the pedicab are like white transplants who moved here. And a lot of people move here to play music or to help their art career, you know, or because they some kind of like creative thing going on and they want to add to this bomber of Orleans. And so that's continuing, you know, we're seeing people live stream, we're seeing people still releasing music and stuff on the internet. And um, to me though, you know, there is this sentiment of it's important to stay in New Orleans if you can. Um, you know, if you're not high risk, if you do have a community that you're a part of here, those communities still need to be supported. And there are people who do not have the option to leave. You know, there are folks who are from here, people who are so invested. Um, I was talking with our coworker, um, Colleen Boyd last night, and she was like, this is my home, man. She's, <laughs> she's from up in the Northeast. So she's got, she's got an accent. It's funny, but she's like, man, I've been here for 10 years. You know, I put down roots. I'll go down with this city, you know, let the floodwater come, let, let whatever, um, I think a lot of people feel that way. There's a sort of passion. And and so, yeah, you know, the, the guys who own our pedicab company, um, and there's three companies in the city, um, they've been they've been facilitating meals for us. You know, once a week there'll be um, like kind of catered style meals that they'll, um, they'll offer for us to come sort of one at a time and pick up at the shop. Um, and probably most importantly, the, the email chain that we all used to use for assigning shifts and for work-related stuff and for like maybe occasionally promoting a show or something has now become sort of a springboard for, um, you know, here are resources you can get. Here's how to figure out your unemployment. Um, here's some cool, <laughs> some cool funk albums from the seventies I'm checking out to not get depressed. Like here, um, it's just been, been a really you know, the, we all still had this one weird thing in common that we used to ride the pedicab. Um, but we also have a lot of other stuff in common. We're all, or many of us are freaks who like to party. Many of, of us are, 
um, like I say, musicians or photographers or filmmakers who've collaborated together. Um, so that's sort of, I think, maybe where the genesis for this whole meeting between you and me happened, um, Asher, because I started, I've been getting kind of involved politically um, much more so with the quarantine and with looking at, um, you know, we're starting to come back to work. So I've been posting updates there about um, some of the activity I've been doing. Yeah, so um, where, we, where we started is with the New Orleans Hospitality Workers Association. This is like um, a group that has done some marches and stuff. Their, their big recent thing has been with the New Orleans Convention Center. So this is a huge indoor building, for those who don't know, where we have you know big corporate events and um, some big Mardi Gras events happen there just it's a space that facilitates thousands and thousands of people and it's partially a taxpayer funded facility so they had they have like hundreds of millions of dollars in sort of cash reserves um and they've also been awarded some bailout money and the thought there is the convention center itself is supported by hotels and restaurants and bars there's a lot of other support but like in terms of logistics and in terms of hosting people in the city, a lot of some, some of these big events, the actual nuts and bolts of what people are coming here to do, that was happening in the, in the convention center. But those people still come out at nighttime and party in the city or they still come back to their hotel. And that's where pedicabbers come into the whole situation. That's where people who used to work at Harris Casino or people who used to be cooks you know, all, anyone, like someone who worked in a hotel who just got laid off, all these people now who, through their labor, indirectly supported the convention center are now kind of getting shafted a lot of time. Like the whole unemployment system for Louisiana is pretty overloaded right now. And yet there's hundreds of millions of dollars sitting um, in these coffers. So there was, an er- there was an early victory with the New Orleans Hospitality Workers Alliance where they got the convention center to agree to allocate like like a million dollars, you know, um, and that seems like a big victory. And you know, one is better than zero. But there, it's estimated there are about a hundred thousand workers um, in New Orleans right now who were in the service industry or the hospitality industry who are now out of work. So it's ten dollars per person. You know, it just doesn't doesn't go that far. And there's, you know, that's that's less that's less than what there's. There's between like 150 and 300 million dollars in, in their coffers that, you know, it's a big building. They're on the port. They're, um, they're connected with the port of, of Orleans. They have um, some cruise ship terminals and stuff there. And that's big infrastructure, yes. But I think if there's any huge overarching takeaway from this whole crisis across the board, it's that value comes from labor, right? You can have infrastructure, you can have tools, you can have marketing. You can have structure, but businesses simply do not work if there are not people working, making it happen on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't matter if it's engineers working for Tesla or if it's people washing dishes. There has to be human effort making it happen. It just doesn't work. That's where, that's where the economy truly is based. And as so many fewer people are working, we're seeing the economy tank like that. We're certainly feeling it in New Orleans. So that's how I got involved with them, the hospitality workers. Their plight has sort of broadened now. They really caught my attention with a recent protest. It was sort of twofold for me. I liked some of the issues that they were pushing. They're, they're talking about 
prison reform, you know, or, or um, the end, like ending incarceration, especially focused at ICE and at border detainees and the refugee crisis, but also that we we feel that here at home in the Orleans Parish prison system, we have a higher rate of COVID nineteen infection and death than anywhere else in any other prison system than than even in these you know horror story ICE facilities. It's just very, very, very poorly managed here. And that's that's unacceptable. You know, we still have people locked up in, in Louisiana for minor cannabis possession charges. We still, we have a law that's very, very archaic where you don't need a unanimous jury, you know, in order to indict someone. So there, there are people who might not even be fairly incarcerated who are way, way higher at risk because of the failings of the system. Um, so that's one thing I agreed with the hospitality workers and their their ideas and what they were trying to say. But I also liked the way that they chose to protest because they one of their big things is we're not going back to work until it's safe. The higher-ups, the people who own businesses, the government officials, they want to reopen the economy as soon as possible in many southern states. We've seen that in Georgia, we're seeing it in Florida, and we're, we were originally slotted to reopen businesses on May 1st, and that's now been pushed to May 16th. Some people believe that 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 timeline in itself is just completely unsafe and we're going to see a huge spike in cases again. Don't you just love listening to the deafening silence that is me struggling to create quality radio? If you're not getting enough of me, don't worry, I show up a little in the end. You can help assuage that a little too by becoming a Cicada Cadet at patreon.com slash Cicada Radio. A membership, even just a dollar a month, means the world to us. That comes with some exclusive content that I produce, and it comes with swag. You want the swag. You really want the swag. We'll be back to let Tall Sam tell you about creative protesting after the break, but first, this word from our sponsor. May God day dumb. Well, no surprise there. If you'd like to be the light in this deep, dark void of content, just drop us a line at louder at cicadaradio.com. That's L-O-U-D-E-R at cicadaradio.com. Now, without further ado, Tall Sam, ladies and gentlemen. So so the way that they protested, though, because obviously protesting in a traditional sense, you get a lot of people together and you get um, all in the same area, and that that's a high-risk activity. So um, we all protested from our cars and on our bicycles. It was a mobile thing. So we we started and we went through some of the some of the incarceration facilities in the city and protested outside and then we kept moving. We were stopping traffic. We were we were moving from city hall to the main judicial building and sort of doing laps and we got a lot of visibility that way. You know, people are in their cars, they're they're distancing that way, but they also you know, 20 or 30 people on foot has a certain impact, but a line of 30 cars takes up like two blocks, you know, and people are like honking on their horns. They have all this space on the side of their vehicles to make big signs and stuff. So we had this whole long motorcade and then we had at least as many bicycles um, riding along next to it. So that was really cool. It seriously was, man. And it's what's interesting to me is in light of these people who are protesting social distancing and are saying, you know, like the, the I need a haircut people, you know, they're, they're arguing that our First Amendment rights are being infringed upon. They're saying, look, Congress cannot make a law forbidding us to gather, right? The, the First Amendment guarantees that we, you know, they're, they're just saying that this whole quarantine thing is infringing on their rights, but we are peacefully assembling 
while social distancing here. We're proving that no, you can still exercise your right to protest. You can still make your voice heard. We can still do the most important thing in democracy, in this democratic republic we have, which is protesting. To me, that's, that's sort of my answer to that that whole I need a haircut thing because with a little creativity yeah yeah for real and and honestly in creativity in, in that specific instance was more effective I think the turnout was really great but man that was that was a very very powerful thing just with how mobile and how visible everything was there's there's I mean something to be said for uh, surviving <laughs> there's some there's a lot to be said for um, living on a fight another day I mean it's not like there's a big hurricane that's come through and people are pillaging. It's not like any it's it's not like there are a lot of developers really trying to trying to take advantage of this to swoop up, you know, and knock down shotgun houses and build apartments. Very much the opposite. It seems like people are sort of divesting. You know, some people have been calling for that in in some respects. Obviously, the city needs as much economic support as it can get when tourism dries up we're seeing the oil industry obviously in decline and there's a lot of that sort of industry in the you know in the rest of the state of louisiana so um economically it is a pretty pretty difficult time but you know a hurricane is pretty tough economically on new orleans too and we've bounced back from worse and that's sort of the sentiment that i'm seeing here asher as, as i as i chill out on my porch in the lower ninth ward as i see both my neighbors who, you know, my, my black neighbors who've been here for three or four generations and the younger people who are artists and musicians who have moved into houses here like me, we all sort of share this, this same sentiment of, you know, looking around, seeing who's still here and remembering that New Orleans has certainly survived much harder times than this um, and, you know, done so smiling. And that, <laughs> if there is a big takeaway from all this, you know, I do, I do care about ensuring that we have better wages and better workplace environments. And I think now is certainly the time to organize and take advantage of this whole, this whole crisis uh, for good. But another, another thing that's way simpler and more individual that we've really been emphasizing here is just take some time for yourself. You know, come, come to the table, whether you're coming back to work or you're coming to like labor talks with as balanced and healthy a mind and body as you can. You know, we have, it's, it's tough for me, I'll admit, just chilling inside all the time to stay active and to stay focused. But luckily it's sunny every day and everyone's out on their bikes and we can sort of social distance <laughs> and keep moving like that. Yeah, man, New Orleans misses you. I think it'll still be here when, oh. you, come, when you come back though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's, that's my hope. All right, man. Well, usually we wrap up by asking questions two. Sure. Um, which I've, ex- I've expanded to questions three, actually, since I took the helm. But anyway, I'm going to lay those on you, and then we'll say goodbye um, until we meet again, rather. Of course. So um, the first question is, if uh, you could give a younger self any advice, particularly like considering your chosen path in the service industry, do, uh-huh. do you know what that advice would be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'd probably tell myself to branch out sooner. And by that, I mean, leave your hometown. <laughs> uh, I'm from way up in the Northwest. I'm from a rural part um, that's very dry and very agricultural and flat. 
So coming to the very low laying, very wet, very colorful environment of New Orleans from there was a big culture shock for me. And um, I did so knowing that I would grow a lot as a musician, as a person, but I also stumbled through like three or four years of college and working. And so, yeah, take, take risks and branch out sooner and come to New Orleans sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The second question is, what's your, uh, what's your favorite place to eat right now? But I know that there aren't many places um, yeah. to eat. But do you have, have you discovered a favorite meal <laughs> in a styrofoam box out of the back of a van or anything like that? Yeah. So um, a very, I mean, I mentioned the pedicab shop. They're making awesome meals for us. That's our, our owner, PJ's wife, uh, Tamara, who's doing all that. But my favorite food revolution during this whole crisis has been dumpster diving and seeing so many, uh, so many members of our community who are still going out and reclaiming perfectly good food from grocery store dumpsters and making really awesome, wholesome meals at home with that. To me, it actually, it might sound counterintuitive. In terms of social distancing and, and, and safety with the virus, it is much, much less hazardous to roll up to a grocery store at 2 a.m., and dig around in the dumpster for 20 minutes and pull out a bunch of tomatoes and onions and leave than it is to stand in line and to you know hang out inside where all the people have been. And, and you know, we're taking food out of the waste stream. We're, we almost always take home more food than we can ever use, so that ends up going to our neighbors. Um, so it's a community thing. And we make some pretty darn good, weird stews. <laughs> With all the random yeah. stuff we find, you know. Okay, so the third question is, um, what's your what's your favorite story about maggots? Ooh, you mean literal maggots, our, our insect larva friends. And it ties into your whole chicken thing. So there are a lot of chickens that roam free in in the hood in New Orleans, um, in the 8th and ninth wards. They're, you get woken up by roosters, you see them running around in the streets all the time. So we found a blind rooster about a, a month ago named Chuck, he had been, his head had been burned by oil or, or something, he couldn't see. We nursed, wow. we nursed our homie Chuck back to life. Blind, blind Rooster Chuck is like the best blues man. <laughs> see, <laughs> he, he do too. I mean, his, his gnar- he started crowing about a week ago uh, after returning to health. He's got this gnarly old, almost like Kermit Ruffin's uh, rooster crow going on. And so Chuck, Chuck has been living off of the greens in our backyard and off of um, off of a bag of feed, which was left out for a while. Um, Chuck will sometimes disappear into other parts of the neighborhood and come back. I think he learned that from the cats. But so we had an we had an ant colony actually. There were, there were ant larvae living underneath his feed bag, and he's regained sight in one eye. So I just I just remember Chuck going to town this one day on on this like ant colony. Uh, I don't think they were carnivorous crazy fire ants or anything, but it was just a victorious moment for me to see Chuck back as a predator, back as a, <laughs> back on, yeah. on the top of the backyard food chain, uh, getting these tasty little grubs down the ground. Weird. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for Chuck too. That's such an uplifting story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Oh yeah. Uh, for being on the show. Hopefully I get to see y'all soon. Yes, sir. Happily, Asher. Maxwell Lee and the Tall Tales is still playing and recording music. And if you follow me on Instagram, Tall Sam Jones Art, um, we are live streaming pretty regularly about once a week. So you can certainly see us from the comfort of your own home until it's safe to come share a beer with us and see us live. Yeah. 
Oh man, sharing a beer with someone who isn't my mom does sound good right about now. Not, not that I'm not drinking with my mom. Hey, you've been listening to How Do You Like Your Eggs? My name is Asher Griffith, the only contributor to this particular episode. Please subscribe, share, write a review. Remember our Patreon page if you aren't already a patron. And thanks again to those who are. And tune in on Monday for a brand new episode of How Do You Like Your Eggs? Just glad to see blue morning and the yellow egg at the break of rain. This is Cicada Radio. Sing, love, die.